All right, welcome to part two of our special free agency breakdown of the NBA off-season thus far. I have to point out, as we just spoke uh, off-air about uh, the Dallas Mavericks, we missed them, but uh, they were another team that pretty much sat out for our agency, um, and they're keeping their powder dry for uh, the 2018 season as well. Uh, they did re-sign Dirk Nowitzki to a $10 million deal, which seemed to be a bit under market value. So, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be, get his money from the franchise when all is said and done. Um, we're going to move on now to the Eastern Conference. Uh, and we're going to start with the number one seed from the Eastern Conference, which if you remember back that far was not the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was actually the Boston Celtics. And Boston have um, undoubtedly uh, improved their lineup. Whether they've improved enough to, to push the Cavs or not, I guess time will tell. Um, but obviously the big news was Gordon Haywood signing for them in free agency. They signed Aaron Baines today, which we spoke about at the outset. Uh, they traded for Marcus Morris. I actually don't mind that Marcus Morris. Here's a little tidbit of information. I think Vice Stats was the best defender on LeBron James of anyone in the NBA last season. I'm sure there's only a small sample size there, but maybe there was some thinking behind getting him uh, when they moved Avery Bradley out. Um, they've, Avery Bradley, uh, Kelly Olenek, Amir Johnson, all out. Tyler Zeller was waived. He wasn't a massive contributor for them. Um, I'll give you my quick take on this. I, I don't think this team's going to improve as much as what people think. I think they were a very good offensive team anyway. I think Gordon Haywood obviously helps them on the offensive end. Um, he makes them a little bit better defensively. I just would like to have seen them either now and maybe there's still moves to go to improve that rebounding because that's really the the rebounding the rim protection is really the problem I don't think Aaron Baines as much as I love it an expert coming in anywhere I don't think Aaron Baines necessarily answers that nor does Marcus Morris so I think Overall, yes, they're probably better, but the, you know, at, at best, they're probably still a one seed that's going to be knocked out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's the way I view it, but obviously you, you, you prefer to have Gordon Hayward on the book. Yeah, look, I think Gordon Hayward is, you know, he'll take a lot of minutes from, you know, who will he take minutes from, which I find is going to be the increasingly interesting question about this team. Well, is Jalen Brown, you'd think. Right, Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown didn't play a ton, but you definitely think... It's Jalen Brown or Jay, more likely Jay Crowder, right? He's going to take he's going to take minutes from the forward spot. Um, that's why my my movie metaphor obviously is white men can't jump. Like this this is all about is all about Gordon Hayward. Um, he will make them better. Um, I think there's no reason to doubt he's in the prime of his career. You know his love affair stroke uh, tampering, you know with uh, Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens is um, not newsflash, not well-documented, not well-hidden, and surprised perhaps only to uh, rose-colored glasses jazz fans. So, um, you know, it's, it's all about Gordon, but it's, you know, they have done, uh, endured a little bit of pain, which we thought they would have to do, right, to get him, if they're going to have a free agent deal, to get under the cap. So they moved Bradley, who I think is a really nice player. Amir Johnson's a rotation player. Lennox a rotation player, so... They've lost actually some of their big men and got Baines, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, look, they're going to be. It's the East, right? And this is the the part two of our podcast for a reason, which is, you know, effectively the metaphor is dropping a deuce, which is a big, giant, fat, fucking turd that is this entire conference. Um, <laughs> so Boston will almost certainly be a top. They're certainly a top three seed, even if shit goes south. Um, Jason Tatum. I'll tell you Jason, now, I'll yeah, interrupt you, yeah. sorry. They're the one seed to me, unequivocally, the one seed. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I said, if the floor drops out, they're three seed. Right? Yeah, that's if yeah. Isaiah Isaiah misses three months and, and uh, I don't know, whatever bad other things could happen. You know, Jalen Brown regresses and Jason Tatum does something. But you know, there's, they're going to win a bunch of games in a disgusting, disgusting conference and even more disgusting division. But... Look, the draft well documented. You know Tatum, who doesn't like Tatum, looks like an NBA player. I don't know a thing about Zizic, um, but he's a giant. You know, two hundred and fifty, sixty pound. Doesn't dude, look I love. good in summer league. That's all I'll say. No, he doesn't look good in the basketball uniform either. He looks like his body needs some work. But uh, yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I don't know what. There's not much more to say. I guess the only, the more, the only interesting dynamic was this. 
I guess, you know, the, the trading of a, a little micro future asset of 2018 second rounder and Avery Bradley, you know, to free up a bit of cap space. And they got Marcus Morris in return, which is probably not terrible value considering what uh, Bradley's probably going to get paid next year. So they lose a bit of defense. Um, that's, a, again, a slight, you know, I'm now searching for subplots, right, where, you know, Isaiah Thomas could be pretty easily covered up on defense with Avery Bradley chasing around point guards. I guess that role goes to Marcus Smart. So I think Marcus Smart's minutes are going to increase, which, you know, is going to hamper their offense uh, without question. So there, it won't be a seamless transition to Tatum getting minutes and and Hayward getting a bunch of minutes in place of Jalen Brown and will Brown and Tatum be able to develop and when does Isaiah come back? So they got some these are micro stories though in a in a broader conversation that they've still got all their major first rounders coming up. Yeah. Um, they'll still win fifty five games and get the you know, a top five pick next year. So that's yeah. the bigger story. There's not Nothing too, uh, I think, super interesting about this upcoming season. No, it's a it's a nice spot for them to be in. They're probably, as I said, I, I favour them for the one seed. Like you said, their worst case scenario is say a three four seed, yeah. um, and they've still got all their future picks. Um, I'd like to see them maybe make a move for it, and I've I've said it before, and we had a long discussion about it. The Kenneth Fareed, I understand obviously the cap machinations, and they are much more difficult for him, them to do that. But if they are able to bring in some sort of a rebounding force, some sort of a rim protector, um, then I give them a puncher's chance against Cleveland. But with the team the way it is now set up, um, I just don't I don't see how they're going to make that move um, up to get to the Cavs level. And we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, albeit with a <clears throat> an injured Isaiah Thomas and no Gordon Haywood, there was quite a gap between those two teams when Cleveland wanted to turn it on. So um, we might move the Cleveland there. They're, they're a little bit similar to San Antonio in the sense that um, they didn't make a lot of moves. They basically just brought the same team back. They did sign Jeff Green. Uh, who cares? Um, <laughs> the, the big question, the question that's going to cover them all season is this LeBron soap opera. Obviously, LeBron's going to love every minute of it, such the tool that he is. Um, he's going to love the movie, follow him around, worry about his every move, his every tweet. <laughs> part two is part two's already more saucy. I, I like it. The so, drop of the deuce. So my yeah. my movie my movie metaphor. I'll just grab the microphone while you <laughs> while you get your shit together there, Daz. Um, my movie metaphor is Deadpool, right? This is going to one man show. Is right. This is LeBron James, the threat of free agency. He's got no general manager. You know the vice president of basketball operations. You know smelled. You know the fucking backside of what Dan Gilbert is doing and the stench that he's creating. This the the tension and the grudge that you know you know the grudge between Gilbert and LeBron is still real it's still there I think this is going to be Deadpool I think it's going to be fucking f bombs and the c word and inappropriate jokes and a bunch of innuendo and it's going to be violent and it's going to be ugly it ain't going to be pretty LeBron this year there's going to be full blown uh, everything you want LeBron to not be or to be, depending on where you sit, it's going to be Deadpool. It's going to be crass. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be bloody. This is going to be, this is fascinating. You know what I do? And this is, this is Dan Gilbert. This is Gilbert versus LeBron. That's all this is. That's why the blood is the two bookends of this thing. And this, these two irresistible forces, these are not immovable objects. These are two irresistible forces in the same franchise, and it's going to come to a big giant zit. It's going to pop, and it could pop in a sweep of the Warriors. Or it could pop in LeBron forcing a trade in January. Well, that's what I'd himself, be doing right? if I was Dan Gilbert. I'd be openly shopping him right now. Um, oh, you you want to hold this franchise that's out to I mean, yeah. ransom yet again? Uh, yeah. And you're gonna, you think you're gonna walk away in free agency yet again for nothing? And <laughs> the guy's such a, such is, a fuckwit. He'll probably do it on ESPN in another that televised is why I special. Because that would be the certain play to get maximum death threats from the Cleveland fan base, right? To get a, a, a small smaller number of death threats, you let LeBron walk. 
Dan Gilbert going to get death threats, right? Well, what's Dan Gilbert supposed to do, though? Let him, you let him walk again. If it wasn't LeBron James, if it was any other player in the league, they would be shopping him. I, and I know he's the best player in the league, but if any other player was going to let this thing play out the way it is, he would be being shopped right now, and we'd say, what can we get for him? But because Look, gonna, this guy's uh, the way he is, he'll everyone will let it play out, and everyone will make a hundred million excuses for him. Um, and I hope he bolts the Lakers, and I hope he bolts the Lakers and ends up in an eight seed and goes out in the sweep uh, the very next year. So what, I've already I had enough of this this story. Oh man, it's going to dominate I, I the season. I just you, wow to do what Dan Gilbert did in his letter to do what Dan Gilbert did to David Griffin to do what Dan Gilbert did to Chauncey Billups. I go, man, you got to look at the owner. This stuff flows downhill, man. So I go, say what you want about LeBron, but this is Dan Gilbert's team. This, the tenor, the culture, the tempo, the temperament, the activity is a singular owner of a vindictive vindictive owner who he has proven in this offseason already there's axes being ground right now i don't know what's been going on between lebron and rich paul and and gilbert but it is not it is not pretty lebron ain't recruiting lebron ain't talking lebron is an absolute hiding griffin has run out of town and chauncey billups running for the hills right and i go this is a deadpool reservoir dogs deadpool is he gonna be dead they're going to be bodies. Well, the but thing I is, don't. though, Dan Gilbert's going to be there in 2018, and and all signs point to the fact that LeBron won't be. So, yeah, and how many games is he going to win? Right, and good on him. He'll he'll win some battle. You know, hey, playground battle. I win. I'm more powerful. I'm the billionaire. Yeah, selling <laughs> you know toxic assets to the the Michigan you know um, homeowners. You know, well done, Dan. It's like, oh, this is oh, this shouldn't be a big of a soap opera. He should have he should have doubled um, David Griffin's play, helped assemble a bench, and you, you rinse and repeat, right? But no, this is what Dan Gilbert's created. You know, I guess in, in defense of LeBron, it's part of the era that we live into this twenty four seven Sports Center era, uh, where every time a big star is coming off contract, it's just a, it, it sh- it's a shadow over the whole season. Um, but but LeBron will lap it up every single step of the way. Make no bones about that. Um, Let's move on. I'm already depressed. Um, the Toronto Raptors, uh, another team that strangely sort of stood pat in the sense, I mean, they, they bought the team back. We openly talked about uh, whether there would need to be a culture shift there. Um, if, they, if they did think there was one, um, they, they haven't made any great moves uh, to bring that, in, bring that on because they've re-signed uh, Donuts Lowry. They re-signed Serge Ibaka, um, <laughs> traded for CJ Miles, um, which I haven't even seen. That That's the first time I've seen that. So they've sent uh, Corey Joseph to Indiana and bought CJ Miles in. So that's a bit of a ho-hum move to me. Um, the, Damari Carroll, as we touched on earlier, he went out as well. Didn't re-sign Patrick Patterson, didn't re-sign PJ Tucker. Uh, just a meh sort of off-season, I guess, I mean, that probably locks them into a 4-5 seed again and, and another sweep at the hands of the Cavs if they can even get that far. Yep. Their movie is The Hangover Part 3. <laughs> it's the same thing. They woke up, and they woke up, and they looked around, and they go, oh, God, something really bad happened, didn't it? Yeah, and they look around, and it's all the same dudes and all the same room, and there's beer bottles everywhere, and there's a weird... You know, there's, I don't know, a Siberian tiger or a tranny beard running out the door. Something weird going on. <laughs> What's Steph on. Curry doing? Like, oh, God, we just all know something really bad happened. That's Toronto. Um, they're, like, my wild predictions, they in Milwaukee will swap four and five seeds, and they'll both, whoever wins that first-round tournament it will get bounced by whomever they play as the one seed the next round next year. They'll just flop seeds, I think. Um, look, for me, the... I don't like what they did, but I don't know what else they could have done. Exactly. That's the question. So what else could they so have unlike, done? So unlike Houston, right? I go, this is the perfect, for me, the perfect juxtaposition with Houston, who has a bona fide superstar, even Oklahoma City, an MVP um, sort of player, and, and Russ Westbrook adding, you know, Chris Paul and adding Paul George. Toronto, I think, looked in the mirror 
And I think Isai um, hinted at that, talking about a culture change. I think he looked in the mirror and said, holy shit, we are a million miles away from Cleveland, and it'll fucking matter. I could sell the house, sell the farm and try to get a Jimmy Butler for a year, right? But I have to sell a whole bunch of pieces to get Jimmy, and we're still going to be way behind Cleveland. So I think he had a really hard look and said, we don't have the stars. Kyle and DeMar are, right, hangover part three. They've been god-awful in the playoffs. They'll still be god-awful in the playoffs. But these guys are our guys. And, right, I don't think he thought, look, letting letting Kyle go probably wasn't an option. That would have been a PR nightmare. And I don't know if Lowry even had a market, so his his guys are probably pushing really hard to get re-signed. So I don't think they had a lot of options. And I think that, for me, is an indictment about from their owner to their players about you know what, guys, you're you're not a 55 win team that's going to threaten. You're a good team, and so I'm not going to do any big moves or sell a whole bunch of assets to try and get better in 2018. We're going to bring you back. We're going to win 50 games. We're going to we're going to celebrate in the center. We're going to hope for some really good fun times in the first round of the playoffs and get some excitement in the second round, and um, that's going to be good enough. And we know we're not building for the for for 2018 because. Just in the last couple of days, he already hinted they've they sold off Damari Carroll's awful contract and stapled a 2018 first rounder mm. and a 2018 second rounder just to offload Damari Carroll. That's how bad that mistake was. So they have no draft picks next year. So this is their team. Good luck, Kyle. Good luck, Damar. Find yourself another level. Maybe you get maybe if you're like rose colored glasses, maybe turtle and um, Norm Powell, you know, take some leaps and, you know, give a bit of a fresh, you know, younger dynamic to it. But it's not going to really move the dial. So uh, I've already spoken too long about Toronto. Yeah, but, uh, I think, it was I think more, they're, more in than, a, yeah. they're in a similar spot to Memphis in the sense that I think that they're a franchise that you just go, look, enjoy your first round victories. Enjoy maybe a few moments you're going to have in the second round. But this, this team as presently constructed is not winning a championship. They're not a free agency destination either. So what is, yeah, what, they what no is cap this? room. They've got no, no cap, cap room, room there anyway. Yep. But even if you said, well, look, we're not going to bring Kyle Larry back. We'll keep our powder dry for next year. Well, you're not a free agency destination anyway. So you may as well reload with Kyle Lowry. Who knows? You hope for a bit of injury luck. Maybe LeBron is the one that steps on someone's ankle or Zaza gets under him this year and uh, that's the end of the Cavs and maybe then it opens up. Maybe if LeBron does bolt to the Western Conference, maybe next year's their year they have a crack at it. Yeah. <laughs> there are some. They've gotten, the they've, they've, there, gotten they've, they've gotten worse. Though. I mean, to, say, to lose Tucker, Patterson and Corey Joseph, right, for basically CJ Miles and Anobi's coming off an ACL and he's a rookie. So they've gotten worse, right? So that's why I said... Their their whole development actually depends on, you know, Jakob Hurdle and um, I think Norm Powell. But that's you know that's your seven and eight guys on your team. So uh, yeah, yeah, they'll win fifty probably, but um, yeah, then they'll they'll go away. Um, in in the uh, the Wizards uh, made a couple of signs. Obviously, Otto Porter re-signing. They matched that off a sheet. Um, was a big story. They also signed Jody Meeks and Tim Fraser, which I think. That's maybe a little bit more significant than what it seems at first glance, given just how horrific that bench was. If they're able to get some decent minutes out of Tim Fraser, you had some moments in, in New Orleans. Um, and J.D. Mooks has had some moments in his career thus far, albeit fleeting. Um, if they can get a little bit off, a little bit more just off that bench, and I mean, we, we spoke about it when they went out in Game 7 to the Boston Celtics, they had four points off their bench the entire game. So... Getting something off that bench is going to be critical for them. Maybe they're the moves that might do that. Obviously, Bogdanovich uh, doesn't seem will be back with the Wizards as well, so maybe that weakens their bench. Well, I'm not sure how that will play out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back on the Wizards' season, if they do make a bit further play for them, maybe get to the Eastern Conference Finals next year, and we go, you know what? Tim Fraser and J.D. Meeks had some moments off the bench, and that was what got them over the hump that they weren't able to get over last year. But other than that, a pretty straightforward um, 
off-season. Obviously, the big decision, though, was do they match on Ode Porter? And I don't see how you don't at this stage. Um, and obviously, there, there's the big matzo ball hanging out there. They did they the match best. today, Daz. They, they did. did match today, yes. So yep. I don't yep. see why they wouldn't have done that. And obviously, the big matzo ball hanging out there for them is the John Wall Supermax offer um, that they've thrown out there and he, for whatever reason, hasn't signed yet. Um, so, And I know Eric Bledsoe's wedding's been blamed for a lot. <laughs> that was blamed for I'm not recruiting for age. It's also blamed for John Wall not signing mm-hmm. the contract. But it must be the longest wedding in the history of the NBA because um, neither of those things have happened yet. So what did you make? I mean, any sort of hot takes on the Wizards offseason today? No, the most interesting, it's, it's – uh, my metaphor is not even a clever one. It's three amigos, right? Which is this – now this team is the three dudes. It's Otto Beal and, and John Wall, and that's it, right? You're, they're going to have to – they're going to be forced to use all kinds of um, their their draft picks, whatever picks they do have, and uh, pray for leaps. I mean, literally pray to whomever God they might believe in that someone like a Kelly Oubre makes a big jump um, because there just isn't internal development to be had. They are who they are. They've they, you know, got Morris and Gortat, which I think I think need a different dynamic. The bench, yeah, they'll move it around a bit. Uh, I don't like Tim Fraser. And um, Bogdanovich is gone, so and Meeks, you know, he can shoot a little bit. So um, they got their big three. I pray for Ubre to somehow become the, make it a big four. But uh, yeah, it's the it's the Eastern Conference, so they'll probably win you know fifty four games. So yeah, uh, oh look, they're stuck. It- Here's the thing, I guess, if Scott Brooks, I'm aiming for that one seed, and maybe you just pull John Wall aside and say, we think you're the best player in the NBA. You could have an MVP-level season. I don't necessarily believe that, but that that's the they need some sort of elite from him to be a really elite player next year if they're going to do anything better than the semifinals or maybe even sneak into the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, maybe the fact that Otto Porter earns $7 million more than him next year will piss him off enough. But I well, think if he big... signs the offer sheet in front of him, he'll, he'll earn more than that. Yeah, well, um, that'd be an extension, right? So it'd be after the season. That's but, uh, true. Yeah. He will let but, that um, down the track. Um, but, yeah, that's a, I, I have a – I think you're, my gut on that is there's something brewing there. There's, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't sign it. Like, if, I think he will, I think but he it will. wouldn't totally shock me if he didn't. Uh, just the way the NBA is moving, John Wall singing, you know what? He had a phenomenal playoffs, right? He was phenomenal in the playoffs. He's now in this conference, you know, where he's, you know, by a little bit, uh, you know, man left standing there, um, feeling like, you know, I'm I'm the next in line superstar. So, hmm, mm. maybe I want to go play with, uh, maybe I want to go play with Russell Westbrook, or I want to go play with LeBron, or I want to go play with Anthony Davis. You know, so where'd John Wall go to college? Remind me? Oh, yeah. yeah Kentucky. Went to Kentucky. Yeah, some boys he's like to play ball with. Oh, yeah. Mm. Anthony with a protege coming up. So, you know, I don't know. I'm a total speculation, but I, it, would, it wouldn't shock me if he left 100 and whatever, 7 million on the table and was doing what players do, which is going, hey, where should we go play together? And I don't know a landing spot. I don't have any, you know, I thought Miami was going to be a landing spot until they blew their wad. On their own version of yeah, three think, retarded amigos, but uh, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Wall did something crazy. I think that that side of it, you're going to see more and more in the Chris Paul situation, where guys have sign on trades, and so they still they get to yeah. have their cake and eat it too. So yeah, maybe I think that's what you're going to see more and more of. Um, let's move on to the next team and pour one out for the 60 win Atlanta Hawks because they are now being well and truly blown up. Um, they basically re-signed no one um, of note. Uh, in their off-season. Um, Tim Hawaii Jr. was blown out of the water by the Knicks. Uh, Paul Millsap, we've already discussed, went to the Nuggets. Um, uh, Dwight Howard was traded out to Charlotte. Um, they've bought in Bellinelli. Uh, I don't even know what we mentioned. <laughs> Miles Plumley. This is, this is depressing. Uh, Mike Mascala was re-signed. Uh, what have they got? Schroeder and not much else now in terms of a roster. Diamond Stone, Miles Plumley. Look, my metaphor for them was Dallas Buyers Club, right? Dallas Buyers Club was, you know, the lovely main character who was, you know, who was dying, you know, running around doing a lot of good deeds and winning a lot of goodwill. So the whole bunch of, whole lot of movement, whole lot of moving pieces, but they're dying. It's a terminal illness. This is a, 
a team who has not recovered very well from a, a 60 win, you know, season two seasons ago, they were lucky to get a little bit of value back in the, um, you know, in the form of in uh, the, the sign and trade with yeah. Millsap. And I say a little bit of value. It's exactly what it was. It was a little bit of value. Um, you know, they made their horrible mistake with, with Dwight, you know, where have you heard that story before? You know, when Dwight Howard's getting trailed, traded for Miles Plumley, you know, that tells you where you're at and you're on the side of acquiring Miles Plumley, you know, who's got 40 some million left on his contract. And, you know, that, if that's, that's a signature move of your off season, uh, this team is out of the playoffs and out of relevancy. And I'm tired of talking about them already. No, they're gone. I, I, I Dad, fear for Buds' future, but but GM, like so many GM coaches, GM Buds has screwed Coach Buds out of a job there. Um, I think this this franchise is going to look totally different. Um, well, he's lost his GM title. Has he been stripped of his GM title? His days are numbered. They're going to tank. They're going to get younger. They're never going to match the Hardaway Junior contract. They can't. They're no, no they've way already not that... matched. They've already not matched that. Oh, have they? Is it gone? Yeah, okay, he's gone. I wasn't sure. Okay, that's. That's good. I wasn't sure if that was uh, the time had expired on that, but yeah, which so, is I don't know who that's. That's well, at least that was a smart move that they didn't do that. And um, yeah, sorry, Atlanta, your your arena is going to be empty for a while. Yeah, and Schroeder is already petulant, and he can see he's going to be he's going to think he's Russell Westbrook and. Right, I'm gonna I'm racing him up my fantasy sheets. Yeah, I was going to say right? he's an interesting fantasy player, isn't he? Oh. His usage is going to skyrocket. Mm. That's right. So hopefully you and I aren't in the same league because I'm, I'm pinning him up a couple of, a couple of draft rounds. So. Well, we're working on it. We'll, we'll have a league together. Yeah. Um, let, let's everyone at home drink up. We'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks briefly now. I'll tell you, if you weren't a fan of the Bucks, we'd be moving off them very quickly. Not because they're not an interesting team, but really they, they did. They've done nothing. They've bought back. Uh, Tony Snell at a, at a nice price. Uh, I sort of projected four years, forty-eight million. The great cap expert that I am, and ended up being four, four years, forty-six million. Um, and and as free agency went on, that contract looked better and better. Uh, look, they are what they are. They're, obviously, any improvement they're expecting comes directly from Giannis, and maybe from when Jabari Parker comes back and how he looks when he comes back. And we spoke about that a number of times. But I'll, I'll let you maybe rant or whatever you want. I mean. It's not so much the moves this summer that have been bad for the Bucks when you look at their cap sheet and look at their team. It's what's happened in previous years and the fact that you've now built a team with all these sort of million-dollar contracts of nice players, but players that aren't really moving the noodle uh, for you as a franchise. Yep, so the legacy of John Hammond was these, as you've already said, um, Toledovich, uh, Plumley, who's turned into Spencer Hawes, who's still on the, on the, con- on the books uh, John Henson, who's useless, unplayable, and uh, Della Vadova, who had 82 bad games and six really interesting games um, <laughs> in the playoffs. Uh, literally, literally. Um, uh, so, yep, way overpaid for role players, which has stifled their cap and didn't have much flexibility. Um, they're the big, the big conversation with them, which is, you know, unlike we see in in strong franchises like Oklahoma City and, and Houston. We're starting to worry about the fractured ownership and Wes Eden's um, overreaching and overriding a vote to replace the general manager, which is probably the biggest single problem you can have because when you look at Donald Sterling or Dan Gilbert, if you don't have ownership harmony, you have you have risk and a franchise who's trying to keep Giannis Antetokounmpo um, maybe the most singularly brilliant young talent in the league. You don't want that shit happening. Um, but uh, in terms of on-the-court product, yep, Snell, good price. I think especially seeing the other deals flying around, good price to retain Tony Snell, unlike the most of the league, right? i got to say the Bucks are still in a great position in terms of having wing depth. Not many teams can boast a Chris Middleton, Tony Snell, and Giannis, really long two-way players, all with you know their own versions of imperfections, but wings who any team would would love to have. So I still think the Bucks are playing with a lot of undervalued assets. I think that's some growth from Thon we can expect. Um, I think Brogdon probably is already the player he's meant to become. And, uh, yeah, their draft, I think we talked a little bit about uh, young kids with some upside. And um, 
I think the Bucks will already suggest that they'll probably, I think they're going to do well. I think they'll win 46, you know, so not great for this conference. They'd probably win 40 in the West or 39, um, but they'll probably be a four seed. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I still got enough. There's still a lot of pauses about the team, I'll be honest. So ownership questions aside, no major moves this offseason, which is probably okay. You know, Monroe and Hazap the Din, they both come off the books next year, which is $25 million. So they'll be okay, you know, this time next year. So I'm looking for their new young GM, who, all, who is a CBA-ologist yeah. and a cap-ologist about him, a young director of basketball operations to sort of manage a smart cap sheet. And um, our bigger questions, again, are off the court. about ownership and will John Horst, the new GM, their big questions would be, is, John, is Jason Kidd the right coach? And does the GM have the right to change his coaching if he doesn't like it? So that's the big question, which is a little bit boring for our listeners about yeah. coaching and GM think, dynamics. Yeah, I don't think that, that is cool. I don't think the kid question is going to be answered next year. I think the year after that, that's going to be the pressure. I agree. It'll be another year. Yeah. Yep. To have that. Let's move on. The next team is Indiana Pacers. And I was breaking down the sort of most in conference predictions. And I thought, it wouldn't surprise me if this team still makes the playoffs, and that's that's not a that's not a tick of the off season that they've had. That's just a big cross on just how pathetic this conference is. Um, because I'm not necessarily convinced Philly are ready. Then we'll get to Philly whether they're ready to take the step up yet. Um, Miami of basically bringing back the same team. Are they going to be good enough to make the step up? Um, and I understand obviously Paul George massive loss, but this team now we look at the moves that they did make. Obviously Oladipo. Sabon has come in from OKC. They've now got Corey Joseph in as well in the trade for CJ Miles. Uh, Darren Collison was signed. That's that's not one that sort of moves the needle or makes you that excited. Um, but I guess Miles Turner, let's see what, what his trajectory is now. That's pretty much his team now in terms of we like to say the, the, the best player, that's your team. Well, he looks like he's the best player in this team now. Let's see how far he can take them. And in such a decrepit conference... Um, potentially I could see this team sneaking into 35 wins. Is that good enough for a seed? Um, it, it could be. It could be. It could be. Uh, I don't think Indiana's going to do it. I think they're going to be way out of the playoff race. Um, my my movie for Indiana was Cast Away, which is basically Paul George. They just cast away. Um, and I... I think this is a depressing team who's lost a bit of its direction. Um, did they buy out Monte Ellis? Did he get bought out or are they yes, buying out? Yes, they stretched him. And, it's, the wave they and stretch, waved and stretched, yeah. So. Waved and stretched, yeah. Um, a reunion in Milwaukee, like maybe. Another, who? What? A reunion um, in Milwaukee um, for Monte. You know, yeah. Oh, my God. Please. Um, along with Portland, I probably hated their draft as much as I hated Portland's draft. Um, so I don't like what they did, adding non-athletic TJ Leaf and non-athletic EK and Igbogu. I don't, don't like it at all. Um, don't like how the Paul George thing unfolded. Um, don't like CJ Miles as a downgrade, getting Corey Joseph. I just don't like anything they've done. They're going to lose a lot of games in a horrible conference, and they're a sad little franchise who Miles Turner's a nice little player, um, Oladipo, whatever. He's all right. He's makes $10 million more per year than he should. Um, but this is yeah. the hard thing about being in the East. It is hard to even tank because it's such a bad conference. You can win 35 games almost by accident. And I, I could almost yeah, look, see that happening with this team. Yeah, look, they're, they're – no. I, yeah, they might, but they'll still get in the number eight draft pick, right? I don't think they're – you know, they're not down there in the Lakers, um, you know, Brooklyn, Kings – no, well, I'm sure I'm missing. Knicks can be awful if they move Carmelo, but no, poor. I feel bad, right? So a little bit, you know. Larry left, you know, a bit last year um, when he, you know, got rid of Vogel and went in a new direction, but then got these weird, you know, got the weird mix of players with with Monte, and they just were, were just schizophrenic. They didn't have a strategy or direction. Didn't have their roster aligned to a vision. They're not even even more flux, you know, with this team. So it's just a team that doesn't have an identity and won't yeah. for quite some time and not going to be very relevant. So No, yeah. I know. The last thing I'd say is I'll defend Kevin Pritchard a little bit on that trade um, because I've, I've heard some of the other deals out there and people saying, well, there was Boston had the three picks plus, I think, Jay Crowder. 
That's um, baloney. And yeah. I just think that's abs- that's nonsense. And and the picks they were talking about weren't great picks anyway. They were all picks in the 20s that sort of Boston have stacked away. They weren't any sort of high draft picks. So you're almost better off just saying, look, we'll blow it up and get our own high draft pick next year. Um, but, yeah, and, and if they're high on Oladipo and they think that he's, he's got a ceiling higher than what we see, I guess maybe you'll be proven right. So um, you sort of wait on some of these trades and look, Given the situation he was in, he was never going to get a great haul for Paul George. Um, and I just don't believe some of the reporting out there about the market um, that was supposedly there for him. But look, maybe, uh, I mean, it's certainly coming from reputable sources, but uh, I, I do take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, let's move on to another team that's, that's done wonderful things in the off-season, does uh, the Chicago Bulls. Um, the genius of this franchise is just uh, astounding, really. They're playing three-dimensional chess there that none of us can see. Um, <laughs> they they beat the, the New York Knicks for the prize signature of Justin Holiday. They re-signed Cristiano Felicio. Um, Who? <laughs> Cristiano. C, C. Felicio. And I, think you're pronounced, I think it's pronounced Felicio, but that's okay. He actually played pretty big minutes for them last year. So, uh, obviously, they lost. They waived Isaiah Kane and they waived Roja Rondo. Uh, but look, we, we spent enough time on this. I, I don't think there's any need to even spend any time on this team. They're going to be terrible. Their movie is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the next team I want to talk about is the Miami Heat. Um, and that this was a team we were following quite closely and we kept both yeah. and I kept bragging about, Oh, the Spurs, don't, don't worry about the Spurs. They're keeping their powder dry for 2018. They're not making any big moves. There's a lot of overpays going on, etc. And I, and I kept sort of lumping Miami in, in that same conversation saying Miami doing the same thing, you know, Miami and the Spurs are going to be ready to make all these signings next year. And then within a day, Miami just blew their cap space to smithereens, signed three guys, the four contracts, all of them whom were overpaid, and you've locked yourself into, what, at best, a 6-7 seed? Um, I mean, the only thing I think, maybe they believe the 13-11 finish of the season. And they just said, you know what, the 11-30 and 30 start was an aberration. The 13-11 finish, that's what we believe, and what we think this team can win 60 games next year. Otherwise, I just don't see where... I mean... Each of the signings, I guess, in a vacuum, you could defend. But all three, and the signings I'm talking about are James Johnson, Kelly Olenek, and Dion Waiters. All three of those signings together, pretty much on the same day, all for four years. It blew my mind. Ditto. Everything you said, you know how we like to combat and disagree. We're not going to get an ounce of disagreement here um, to spend $150 million on those three, my movie metaphor for them is platoon, which is just sending the boys off to a war you know you're going to lose. And just just why you're reloading uh, a team with players who are, um, you know, castaways from other squads, and, and it just didn't make any sense at all. I, do, I don't see the logic, I don't the argument for it. I, I do not, I literally have not heard a constructed rationale for why you bring back all three on guaranteed four-year deals, um, hundred and fifty million almost all up for the three. Mm. So they're all going to be they're going to be earning about what, about forty-five million combined per guy per season, or forty million. It just don't it just makes no sense. So I thought I was right. You probably heard me weeks ago. I thought Pat Riley that was I was going to use the Godfather right playing a long game, you know, literally playing a a chess game years into the future using what. You know, we could call tampering. We'll just call, you know, modes of communication to understand player movements and temperament um, to sort of create a create the space and environment again, like you did with with the Bosch and, and LeBron five years ago. Um, not happening. I have no idea what they're going to do this time next year. They don't have nearly the cap space, and I mean, these even, contracts and these look, contracts aren't removable. No. These aren't removable. Who wants James Effing Johnson? Who wants Dion Waiters? Well, that's the problem. The four years, you now got contracts that aren't movable. So if you sign them to two years, then it becomes an expiring next year. So you may be great. Um, Like the thing, 
I, I guess maybe you can get into some silent trade action if teams that just want to get something back for a departing superstar. But, I mean, even if LeBron James is not going to come to the heat, why not have a sniff around Boogie Cousins? You know, I mean, you know I'm not high on that guy, but if he comes into the right organisation and the Heat can, are one of the few teams in the league, I think, that they can back their organisation to say, we can bring a guy like that in. And him and Whiteside, well, that's a front court that's going to scare a lot of teams. And if LeBron does bolt to the Western Conference, well, you've got a puncher's chance in the Eastern Conference with that team. They've just taken themselves out of that conversation because you've now locked yourself into this lineup. So I'm only, as I said, the only rationale I can make for what they've done is that they think that 13-11 finished the season. That was how they're going to play the full season next year. And I think if you're thinking that way, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think the the truth of this team is somewhere in between that 11 and 30 start and the 30 and 11 finish. Yeah. You're probably Which is a 40 and 42 that. season. Exactly. That's right. You're probably going to be yeah. 42 and 40, 40 and 42, somewhere around those ranges. Um, I don't understand what they're, what they're doing no. um, at all. It, it, it certainly was a, was a head scratcher, without a doubt. Um, another team that had a head scratching season and another team where I fear GM Stan Van Gundy is screwing over coach Stan Van Gundy is the Detroit Pistons. Um, so uh, KCP, Caldwell Pope, um, he, he's not going to be coming back to waived him. It seems like he's going to be going to the Nets if you believe the reports we're hearing. They signed Langston Galloway. <clears throat> I've, I've never been impressed with Langston Galloway. I've seen him play a bit here and there. He just doesn't look like a player that's ever going to amount to much more than maybe, what, an eighth, ninth man, um, and if, if even on the contender. Um, Eric Moreland, who maybe that's the first time I've seen that guy's name, <laughs> <laughs> which might tell you something about the standard of that. Um, they bring in Avery Bradley. I like Avery Bradley's game. Um, a nice shooter. They certainly need some shooting, and him and Canard. That's going to be some uh, two interesting players. Um, I could see Canard playing some minutes. SVG doesn't mind playing the rookies. Um, maybe they get a bit more from Stanley Johnson. I guess the big. It doesn't change the big questions for this franchise. What do you do with Andre Drummond? Um, how big's your ceiling when you've got a guy out there that you really can't play because of the bad free throw shooting, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. We have spoken a bit about them, but. Um, it, it just felt like there, maybe there were other moves they could have made in this off-season that they didn't make. Not bringing Caldwell Pope back, I thought, was an interesting decision, to say the least. Maybe, look, I guess their argument would be Avery Bradley's better than Caldwell Pope, and we've ended up bringing that back in, but you've also lost Marcus Morris, who was a piece for them last year. So it's a bit all over the place at Detroit at the moment. Yeah. I couldn't even think of a movie because I, I know Vertigo. Maybe the movie's Vertigo, <laughs> where they're just a bit. My head's spinning with the oh, they don't have a. There's nothing linear, right? You don't see a strategy. You don't see a trajectory. Um, you kind of saw it with the philosophy of Reggie Jackson and Drummond, you know. And then it just never materialized for you know injury injury reasons or otherwise. So I go. The only thing I'm thinking is that maybe it's the, you know, the, the straw that stirs the drink, Reggie Jackson, who's going to, you know, handle the ball and the offense and be a, a scoring point guard, was hurt. I think we'd all agree, came back too soon and couldn't perform yeah. and then lost his confidence, right? And probably was being a bit of, I'll give him a little bit of credit, trying to play through it, and but couldn't. So that's the only thing I can think of is that, you know, with a Bradley Jackson background is an interesting the interesting sort of backcourt, you know, they do have some youth as you hinted at, right? That, you know, um, Stanley Johnson's only 21, Luke Kennard, you know, I guess a pure shooter. Gary Ellenson, a bit of overlooked. He was a, a decent yep. pick last year, a bit of a stretchy four, you know, there's got three guys who've got some upside. Ellenson might get some minutes now that Morris is gone. So, um, look, not a factor, um, kept their powder dry. I think they're probably hoping for some internal development to learn what they do have when Reggie Jackson's 100%. So I kind of give them credit for, again, not doing, not going crazy and blowing something up when you didn't know you had it. They took advantage of a market inefficiency. I think getting Bradley's on, he's a nice player. They'll probably have to pay him too much next season, but that's yeah. that's not this conversation. That's a next-year conversation. And I think it's a nice that's a nice team, right? So that's a going to be a nice team in the East, which is, again, looking for small victories, 
I kind of a believer in Stan, you know, I, I still want to believe in what they're doing. So um, they're not dead. They're not like Portland dead or Atlanta dead. Um, their future isn't killed, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. Look, their future is not, you know, Boston bright or Philadelphia, Milwaukee, dreamy bright, you know, with fantasy, but it's not, it's not all doom and gloom. So I just think Stan's yeah. another example of why coaches shouldn't be GMs. Yeah, um, and I, know. I think that's how it'll play out. I, I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, but I think he's just yeah. hamstrung himself with some of the roster moves that he's made to date. Um, the next team I want to talk about, and this, this is a bit of a rant I've got. You know, when when Draymond Green and the and the Warriors lost the title, you know, they didn't sit around and go out and um, you know work on their game or say, look, let's let's make a point of not punching people in the balls next year. You know, Draymond Green gets on the phone <laughs> and starts texting Kevin Durant, say, hey, come and run with me next year. You know, that's the sort of witness that we're seeing in the, the hashtag cupcake. Uh, attitude of the league and unfortunately we've seen something similar in Charlotte in the off-season because Kemba Walker once they missed out in the playoffs you know he picked up the phone and he did something similar and he got on the phone to Michael Carter-Williams and he said MCW <laughs> come and I run didn't with know where you're going with that <laughs> come and run with yeah. me that's it's a true story that's a true story he he rang you're Michael Carter-Williams me. <laughs> look at that he rang Michael Carter Williams and said, "Come run with me next year." He's got he's got something. This what? is another. This is another. Mate, that, you're, you're this is another point. super team forming. We got. Oh, wow, come run with me. That's deep self metaphor for a lynching. They're going to drag <laughs> Michael Carter Williams from the back of a T bird right through a through a cornfield. Ain't hey, come run with him. <laughs> Michael Carter Williams is a scarecrow. Oh, Jesus. Well. Look, oh, I'll Jesus. send you the link to the story. They have they have they have D Howard on their team. Is that they've got Dwight that, Howard, Carter Williams, oh, Howard? Yeah. How scared would you be of this lineup offensively <laughs> if they can throw out their kid Gilchrist, Carter Williams, Dwight Howard, Kemba Walker, <laughs> and Cody Zeller? <laughs> a big Frank the Tank. Look, <laughs> look. I hope this team doesn't have a charity that is placed for they play Celebrity Jeopardy. Could they ain't going to take on many prize. Going to be the minimum. They're going to get you know, a packet of rice cakes or something, man. They, oh, seriously. <laughs> what is going on? With, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I <laughs> think this. Poor this... Steve Clifford. And Johnny O'Fucking Bryant III. Honestly. He, uh... he, makes, he makes El Horford you know, look like Ivan Drago. Johnny O'Brien, the motherfucking third, seriously. With D. Wayne Bacon, you know, Nicky, Nicky Batum gained 26 pounds, got his big contract, and he just he bulked up last year. Michael Carter, fucking Williams. Yeah, Mensa Club, Michael Williams. Honestly, uh, D. Howard, MKG, J. Lamb. Honestly, Malik Monk. Malik Monk is going to be the leader of his squad. What? Uh, it's, oh, poor Mar- poor it's Marvin bad. Williams. Yeah, I think the interesting so. thing was in all this. Michael Carter Williams got two point seven million for the season. Um, this was a rookie of the year. This was a guy that a lot of people had high hopes for, and <laughs> you, you saw it up close and personal. What <laughs> oh, tears? This has got this has this has gotten weird. This has <laughs> just gotten weird. So yeah, look, well, I, I got that the Zeller. They got one of the Zellers for twelve and a half million, and and one of the Williamses for thirteen million. I think it's Serena. He's getting thirteen million, and Kid Girl Chris. He hadn't made a shot outside nine feet, you know, since he was in Kentucky, not dunking. You know, honestly, what what is honestly Nick Batum? Nick Batum and Dwight Howard are gonna make fifty million this year. Look, I love it. Nick Batum was on Miami's fitness program. I actually love his. He's the modern NBA player, right? The wing you can three and D and do the rest of it, but he he bulked up and got fat. I go, honestly, what's going on? Well, they said that was a. I've I've heard from people in Portland that said he did the same thing um, there. So it yeah, wasn't yeah, unexpected. Yeah. It wasn't unexpected. Played, had a contract year that last year, got paid, and you know he pulled an Allen Crab. So yeah, look, the team is a mess. It, it's a well, the sad thing is, right? Is I I love Kimball Walker. That's the sad thing, and that is, he's not getting old, but he's in his prime of his prime. 
you wish he could end up somewhere he can play. What's Kemba's, what's Kemba's contract situation? No, I think about it. Has he got one year left? Anyway. Yeah, I think, it, I, I think he's, I think he's restricted next year. Unless I'm mistaken. I think yeah, there's, I a, there's a good up, mark of RFAs next year, not necessarily. I tell you what, guys. so it's in all seriousness, right? Look, um, uh, I like, you know, I, I like Frank Kaminsky's game probably even better than like Sam Decker's game, my, not my Wisconsin boys, but Frank got his body shape and he started to play <clears throat> late last year. He had a couple of injuries, but I think Frank is a, he's an NBA player. He's a nice 15 and 7, stretchy 5 sort of guy over 25, 27 minute play. Monk is maybe he fell in the draft. He's a volatile, many outcomes sort of player. Could be bad, but he healed. Could be you know something better. Um, anyway, it's the East. Charlotte's. Where do I have Charlotte? I've got them as a six seed. All that being said, they're my six seed. That's how bad the East is. Six seed. Yeah, I know it's 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 quite sad when you break it down. Um, when you look at the Charlotte, not I don't know what to make of Charlotte at this stage. Um, I was sort of I, I like the Malik Monk fit, but how much he can contribute next year, I'm not sure. So they're a team to sort of wait and see. I feel I feel like there's a top there's a definite top five in the East, but um, I'm just not convinced about where any of the other teams fit after you get past that. Look, I, I'm just sort of of the mindset. Look. As much as we bang on Dwight Howard, will there will he ever reach a point in his career when he realizes what he is and just does what he does without creating, you know, creating awkwardness? And he's definitely not a downgrade from whoever they had last year, Spencer Hawes and Miles Plumley and Roy Hibbert and that junk. So I think, you know, quite a traditional one-five PNR defensive-minded Dwight who can clear the boards. With Frank a stretchy five is kind of a on paper like a nice complimentary sort of sets of bigs. Mm-hmm. I think Kemba is a player. I think Monk is going to get his shots. Uh, Marvin Williams is a glue guy. You know Nick if he can lose some weight. You know I'll even talk to myself out of them being a sixty when I go through the roster. But mm-hmm. uh, I think we already spent too much time there. Eh. No. It's complicated. It is complicated. Let's talk, let's talk a team that's on a bit more of an upward trajectory, and let's move over to the New York Knicks. Uh, and they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. for four years, seventy-two mil. Oh, <laughs> He's getting Noah money. <laughs> well, they've. It was it was interesting. I'm not sure. I might have been Kevin Pelton. It was someone's talking to Zach Lowe and said it's unbelievable that the team wins the worst contract of the off season two years in a row. But New York, have, even with no cap space, still found a way to do it um, by blowing that uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. A guy that was, of course, they drafted was on their team. They traded uh, to Atlanta for um, Jeremy Grant, <coughs> and then. You, uh, you traded Jeremy Grant to bring in Derek Rose, um, and then of course had to waive Derek Rose to give the offer sheet to Tim Hardaway Jr. So in a beautiful uh, circular motion, um, the Knicks bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. So uh, look, I don't even know what to say anymore about this. The, well, the, the, my, the big okay. question is though, does does Tim Hardaway Jr. fit into the triangle? Yeah, well, he doesn't have to anymore, does he? He's <laughs> just, exactly. He don't care. He's going to fit into, you know, into a Swiss bank account. He's going to fit honestly, into a limo. He's made more money than his dad in his whole career now already with this contract, right? Honestly. Um, look, my movie metaphor, which is if I could do a mic drop, would be my movie metaphor is throw mama from the train. <laughs> Phil... The crusty old grumpy motherfucker got thrown off that train. That's what. That's all this is about. He gone. Old bastard gone. So everything that happens after Phil, you can't even look at Tim Hardaway as a, you know, as a step backwards, right? You can because it's silly, but at least it wasn't a Phil decision. I do love the fact they drafted a, a triangle point guard and freaky Nicotina, Frankie Smokes, uh-huh. um, and now now they've got a. Seventeen million dollar Tim Hardaway. That's gold. Uh, well, good, Bill Simmons. Good luck with that. Uh, Bill Simmons said um, he was talking to a Knicks fan, 
And um, he said, look, Tim Hardaway's not all bad. He can shoot a bit, you know, he's had some moments. And they said, yeah, and we could have just drafted Malik Monk uh, instead of Frank Nicotine. <laughs> so, That's right. It's, That's it's right. unbelievable. Only the Knicks. Look, um, and then from the sublime to the ridiculous, we go to the Orlando Magic, who are somehow kept themselves out. Um, they made no moves in free agency this year. Um, they lost Jeff Green and Jody Meeks. Uh, look, that's that's a depressing situation. I, I can't think of a more irrelevant franchise at the moment in the NBA than the Orlando Magic. Um, and fittingly, they had no players. I may have even mentioned this last time. They had no players at the NBA Awards to win anything. Only team in the NBA to do so. I know they got my boy Jeff Weltman and John Hammond running the show, right? John Hammond of the fame of $45 million for John Henson and $50 million for Miles Plumley. So yeah. he probably loves the fact he's got, you know, Biombo and Evan Fournier locked up long-term. You know, probably makes him feel good. You yeah, know? just horrible. Some... De- depressing situation. They're going nowhere. Um, let's move on. The Can uh... I, why, why I have one curiosity about them. It has nothing to do with their off-season. I wonder, could – because there were a lot of people who would have been wrong, but – is Mario Hazonia as bad as we all think he is? Or have they just been so – has he gotten the Aaron Gordon treatment down there where they can't decide on a coaching philosophy, they can't decide on a roster, they can't decide on rotations, they can't decide on roles, they can't decide if they believe in Alfred Payton or not. They just can't decide anything. You got effing C.J. Watson you know, taking minutes down there. Right? D. Augustine taking minutes down there. So part of me – this is my only curiosity – is that we a lot of people thought a lot of Hazonia coming out, and he, right? He had, I don't know he had a what we a PER of like four last year or something, right? Yeah. So that for I, me I is think... the only the only interesting question. I think John Hammond isn't as dumb as he's a good he's a better talent evaluator than as a contract negotiator. I think he'll put Gordon in a better spot. Um, but for me, the interesting question is, what do they have in Hazonia? He was a number four pick, number five. He's like really way up there. So you know what I'd do from me- Orlando? I'd sack Frank Vogel and I'd bring in Mark Jackson, and just bring a coach that can bring a young roster together, like what he did at Golden State, and just have something set up. I don't think I like Frank Vogel as a coach. I don't think he's the right coach for this. It's roster. A, that's a great point. Yeah, you know. that's a misfit. So I don't know if it's Mark Jackson, but that's actually that's actually a good point. Yeah, someone you know, like I, that. You know, yeah. that, that's a Jason Kidd, even obviously Jason not available, but that type of a coach that's just going to set things up, set the table for us, and then maybe it's another coach that takes us to the next level. But Mark Jackson showed. I mean, he can coach young guys, and maybe he's learned something from his time in Golden State. But anyway, that, that's the move I think they need to make rather than personnel. Uh, at this stage. Um, yeah. The next team, this is a team that could make the jump to the playoffs. So I'm a bit of a non-believer just yet, but I could certainly see them um, making the jump. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they made uh, the moves of Amir Johnson and JJ Redick. Um, I had to laugh at JJ Redick's quote. He said uh, Brett Brown was the main reason that he came over, and the fact that they're paying him $20 million next year uh, really just paled in insignificance once he had the, the lifelong dream of playing with Brett Brown. So um, that, that was good to hear. Um, which no doubt means he'll sign a longer-term extension next year for less money just to stick around with Brett Brown, no doubt. But, look, I like the J.J. Reddick signing. The fact that they've, they're only signing these one-year deals, they're sort of another team keeping their power to dry, partly, obviously, for free agency, but partly for some of the extensions that they've got coming up within their own roster. Um, so they need to keep that space. Um, a lot of question marks are over this team. With such a young roster, such an unproven roster, Ben Simmons never played an NBA game. Mark Elfort's never played an NBA game. Embiid, as good as he looked last year, played 30 games. Saric got some empty stats towards the end. I'm not convinced about how good he is. I, I just want to see it. And even with Brett Brown, as much as I love Brett Brown, I think the, the pressure's on him now to show that he can win in the NBA. Um, as great an attitude as he's had to bring this roster through and as tough a time as it's been, now's the time they need to start winning games. So I think there's a little bit of pressure on them as well. Um, I'm just something's holding me back here. I'm just not 100% convinced that everything's going to fall into place the way some people. I still think there's some growing pains ahead for this this franchise. Yeah, I don't have a movie metaphor um, 
It doesn't mean it just be about children and a whole bunch of maybe children of the corn is maybe the movie. But the, I'm I am certain they're not going to make the leap. That's just there are way too many variables and way too many questions. Maybe I could just start listing the names, right? Justin Anderson, Jonah Bolden, Robert Covington, Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, Rashawn Holmes, Amir Johnson, right? T.J. McConnell, Jalil Okafor, J.J. Redick, Dario Sarek, Ben Simmons, Nick Stauskas, Hollis Tomlins, right? That's 14 guys who have played a lot of NBA minutes. That is not listing the seven of the players on their roster, right? Mm. So they are they have way too much. So they're they're going to have to do a whole bunch of their one people aren't going to develop to evaluate that talent really quickly and put them in the G league and, or, you know, at the end of the bench, three package them up for even more future assets, kick the can down the road. Cause they got all these picks and bringing players over and it just, they literally have too many bodies. I don't know how you solve for that. Maybe the solution is that it's just a natural, you know, the, the cream rises to the top and it's just, it's a competition but there's a lot of guys who played meaningful NBA minutes in that list, right? And then, obviously, as you mentioned, Embiid and Fultz and, and Simmons are going to get heavy, heavy minutes, you know, if they're healthy. That means there's a whole bunch of people not playing. Mm. And I don't know how they're going to do that, you know. Um, yeah, the rotation are going to be fascinating. Um, and and Brett yeah. Brown's, I think, more of a pop disciple in the sense that he will play a 12, man, 12 guys. Um, and we saw last year, but... It wasn't a 12-man rotation night to night for him. There was just nights where he said, OK, Okafor, you're a DNP, CD, tonight they're playing Noel. And I think the same sort of thing is going to happen, but that, that can sort of hurt the harmony of the team and the rhythm of players too um, coming in trying to yeah. play every yeah. second night. So he's got some real decisions. And I, I think he's going to need to just say, you know what, these are the 10 guys I'm going with and... If Okafor's not part of that, you might see him get a heap of DMPCDs to start the season and, uh, you know, uh, move him away for a second-round pick at the trade deadline or something. I mean, I could certainly see something like that playing out. So. Yeah, he's he's borderline, I wouldn't say worthless, but he's, you know, he doesn't have much trade value anymore. So they've kind of missed the boat yeah. on Okafor. But I don't think they're too worried about no, the they're, they're, not, they're not worried about that. Well, especially with the guys like, you know, we saw Rashawn Holmes. I actually sort of, I think his minutes are less, they're a little bit, they're kind of Michael Carter-Williams empty in a way. Him and Sarich both have a bit of an asterisk. But I liked, I liked the way Rashawn Holmes moved around the floor. So I think I'd love to see him not get squeezed. And or if he does get squeezed and they've got to play Sarich and Bead and, and Simmons and such that, you know, they they take Holmes and Justin Anderson and these quote, old 23-year-olds and move on for, you know, for something. Um, yeah, we've so, seen Justin Anderson. I, 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 he had a few moments towards the end of last year. He so did. I'll, I'll be interested to see if they find a spot for him, obviously backing up um, behind J.J. Redick uh, in that team. But there's a, as you say, you're looking at you've got, still got Simmons. Of, oh, it, it, there's so many bodies there. It's, oh, I don't know how Brett Brown's going to do it in terms of the rotation. So um, maybe it's a sort of feeling out year for Philly so they understand who they're keeping, who they can move on from. Yeah, and then there'll be a the lot of ugly... After this is the year that they make Yeah, there'll be a lot of ugly games. I think, I think there are two seasons. Like this year will be a bit of a vetting. We'll see if Fultz can take over the team. Will Simmons' foot hold up? Um, will B play 50 games, you know, as he, can he, can he stay on the quarters? He can be, you know, um, Brandon Roy, we don't know. This is going to be a shaking out year. Um, I just, it, it's going to be interesting because you pay JJ Redick all that money and I go, wow, and that's just, you've just suddenly eaten up in development time, you know, for, for someone else in the backcourt. Um, so it, it's hard to fault it because he's, you know, JJ's an NBA player, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, 2020, literally three seasons from now, I think it's going to be a, we'll know what we have with them. Yeah, um, I think they're going to put together games next year where they're going to come out and, and they might spend yeah. the Cavs by 20 yeah. and you go, whoa, and now I see what, what they're building yeah. there. And then the next night they'll go out and lose to the Kings by 10 and you go, ah, oh, there's still some growing bones there. So that's the type of team that I see there yeah. next year. So one last team left to talk about, Daz. We've, we've touched on them earlier with the Damari Carroll trade, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Sean Marks actually won a trade against Masai Jiri. That's very, very rare that you see that happen. Um, 
Yeah, when Demari Carroll's a nice player for the mid, I think a nice veteran presence, good locker room guy. I don't think he's going to add any Ws to the the column for them this year. But when you get a first and a second round pick back, as well as taking on for taking on that contract, they obviously another dumping ground for talk about dumping ground for contract. They took on Moz uh, as well in terms of getting Derek D'Angelo Russell, which is a trade we spoke about last time. So I like what they did in their offseason. It looks like the Caldwell Pope is the favourite to go there. Um, it's another signing that I actually like for them. Um, so you've now got Levert. Is that uh, confirmed, or is that just still? A... That's a big, but they, they just they just look. It's sort of an order of elimination where they're going around. Well, there's no suitors left for for Caldwell Pope yeah. that have this cap space that he's after, and they have there has been some interest there. Um, yeah, Otto Porter would have been a nice fit too, but I guess you can argue whether Caldwell Pope or Otto Porter is better. Uh, Caldwell Pope a little bit less expensive than Otto Porter would have been at his um, his contract. So, uh, like their off-season, look, I don't, I don't think they're going to win a whole heap of games next year, but just given the fact that they will be trying to win games, I could see them pushing up to around the 30-win mark next year. I know that's, that's sort of glass half full very much so with this team, but I think there's something to be said for a team that you would imagine is going to play... 82 games to try and win. Um, and I'm sure they'd love to see Boston not get a number top pick so Danny Ainge could peacock around again at Lurie time. Um, so I, I think that could add a few more wins when you, you see other teams maybe putting the queue in the rack with 40 games to go and knowing, well, this is this season's over for us. They'll lose a ton of games, but again, I think that you've hinted the bigger story is the given the extreme constraints in which they're operating you know, post the um, the great lottery pick giveaway, you know, from the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce days, they have done a masterful job to give, um, a, you know, at least an NBA quality product and great, you know, to use their cap space wisely to get some, some first round picks and to start to build something that isn't, um, isn't entirely hopeless. And that's probably not saying a lot, but from where they were two years ago, I think we'd, we'd agree they've they've done well to, you know, find some, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a player. And Jeremy Lin, if he could stay healthy, is a really nice guy to run a team. And D'Angelo, you know, we'll see what you got with a 21-year-old D'Angelo. And, and um, uh, you know, who knows about Jared Allen? I think it's a, you know, I think they'll go backwards in the win column from giving away Brooke and his and his three-point shooting, you know, <laughs> prolific sort of nature. But uh, hard not to like how they're using the cap. And Chris LeVert, or Levert, as some people like to say, you know, nice little player. So, um, yeah, they've got some – they have hope, right? So uh, the hipsters have some hope for watching some decent basketball in a couple seasons. And uh, But, yeah, much like Philly, they're a couple seasons away from even knowing what they have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just think Sean Mark's good to see him doing – a good job there, and yep. uh, Kenny Atkinson will have some talent to work with, at least from a youth and development point of view, next year. All right, as well, look, that wraps up um, all 30 teams discussed. It's sort of, a, I guess, it doubled as a bit of a look forward to next season. There's, there's still a few different um, free agency signings that we'll, we'll be able to get in the coming weeks. Um, but, you know, as we sort of go through the off-season, I'm sure we'll get creative in terms of how we view the NBA. Um, and there'll be a few more rants at LeBron from me. Um, and I'm sure a few more F-bombs from you about random subjects um, that we'll find uh, over the rest of the off-season. But uh, for now, Daz, I'll see you again next week. Um, but it's been fun tonight. We'll, we'll finish off here the uh, what felt like the great Houston Rockets debate also with 29 other teams. So that's what it, <laughs> our signature conversation on, on Dan Tony. So um, that was good stuff, mate. Well, um, summer league, summer league will be done next week. So we can find our summer league all-stars or something. We might do yeah, the, the summer league overreaction theater. Yeah. Perfect. Should be good. good. I'm looking forward to talking about Bryn Forbes for an hour. Rashad Vaughn scored 31 today. So, you know, <laughs> he probably had got laid last night. <laughs> All right, Daz. Look, we'll talk again next week. See you, bud. Oh, thanks, mate. Bye. Bye.